First Strike Podcast. Your host, KYT. And this show is brought to you by FaceToFaceGames.com, the number one place to get your Magic Gathering singles. Right now, there's a 15% off high-end scan cards for those of you who been waiting to buy some either some power nine or some dual lands from the past this is this is a great chance for you to get them for faceofacegames.com and there's like a banner the second banner on the slider that clicks you directly to everything that's 15 percent off so definitely go check that out we've got a great episode this evening and i can't help but grin a bit as i see my good friend dan lanty <laughs> who is joining us how's it going dan it's going well. It's going well. I like how animated you're being. You're getting me pumped. <laughs> we also got Edgar and Derek in the chat. Uh, I'm glad I, I still bring that energy um, this past weekend. I'm just gonna was gonna just randomly plug Shadowverse because came from DreamHack. Saw a lot of cool stuff there. Thought, well, Jerry came down and stayed at my place, and, and we went down there. He wanted to jump in the Shadowverse tournament. Um, but he didn't. He didn't crush it because there's just like pros dedicated to that game. But it was cool to see uh, Shadowverse, Hearthstone, all these other Rocket League, all these other different games there. Also uh, ran into Pascal Maynard, who was trying to promote that um, eSports site that we've talked about before. I think I forgot its name, Fan eSports or something like that. So it was cool to see that and and everything jumping in the eSports world. But... This past weekend, GP Detroit, something special happened. Uh, Dan, I'll be honest, I haven't double checked. I just saw that like there was a picture of you, Felix, and John. And I mean, I'm gonna get laughed at because I I, I did not decide to fact check this, but the, the photo was so low quality that I thought it was a throwback picture. So I mean nothing of it. I just like, oh, he's just like reposting something like you know one of those facebook things yeah it was pretty bad i cropped the hell out of it because i don't know it was pretty large and uh wanted to fit it onto one photo but no it's it's it was it was from this weekend i assure you i mean the, i don't know why it looked maybe it was the lighting but it looks grainy and like it looked like it was taken 10 years ago to be honest well i mean i don't want to i don't want to speak mean of detroit but maybe it was the atmosphere maybe it was the the air <laughs> in the building in the, in the city all right so uh dan you of course did really well finished in the top four yeah um, how, how did it come how did it come about how did uh is this your i mean i recognize the people on your team so was this decided a long time ago that you guys were going to team together uh, probably close to about two months ago. Yeah. I mean, John and Felix and I have been friends for literally like going on 12, 15 years at this point. And it was probably about time that we got together for a team tournament. But, uh, yeah, I, I think, I think John just sort of, I think he reached out to me probably about, yeah, like two months ago and said like, Hey, there's a, there's a GP in Detroit. Like, would you want a team with Felix and I? And I like, it was the easiest yes that I could, that I could, you know, put out there. Cause I mean, the, Two of them are awesome players and good friends of mine, and I knew it was a recipe for success. Despite uh, despite my, my my anxiousness going into the weekend, and and how rusty I surely am, it, it you know ended up playing out very well. I think I don't know if it was like on a previous show or private conversations together, but we had decided, or we we agreed that for you it was time to to scale back, and you had focus uh, on other things. And uh, that's why you've been rusty, right? 
Yeah, I, uh, I've taken a good deal of time away from the game. Um, you know, I, I had won a couple of Grand Prix a couple of years ago, hit gold, was gold for a couple of years, hit silver, and then just decided, you know, like I'm, I'm approaching 30. I, I don't, I haven't really like put much time into my career. You know, I have my own place that I need to take care of and, you know, a lot of things that I need to do in my own time. So I need to start focusing on things that weren't, that weren't magic, you know, and that took me away from the game. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's been a while since I've been like, you know, a regular at events and, uh, I'm not saying that that time is going to come back. I'm still going to, you know, play sparingly, but you know, it's good to see that I, that I can still, that I can still do it if I want to, you know, watch out for that, that big three zero Derek. <laughs> um, so Dan, how did you prepare for this tournament? How, what was the approach for two team unified of modern? There wasn't a whole lot of approach to, I mean, like there weren't a whole lot of card considerations for the deck that were made because of uh, the, the, the unified format. Um, it was decided pretty early on that it would be best to put Felix on Valakut because he basically knows nothing else. Um, that's not to discredit Felix in any way. It's just, you know, playing Valakut is what he does best. And then it was just a matter of, uh, you know, figuring out what other two decks both complement you know, that choice and it would be good for the event. Um, I, I am familiar with control, control strategies. Uh, I had a lot of respect for the blue white archetype in this current iteration of the format. And, uh, I spent about a month, you know, just playing local events and sort of, you know, tweaking and tuning the deck to where I felt it was best position. And then it was just a matter of finding any deck out there in the universe that sort of fit within the three deck model for the unified format. And we just sort of handed John a ham sandwich and that was humans. <laughs> Universally considered one of the best deck, if not the best deck in the format. Uh, some people, I had tweets online on different accounts that wanted you to come on because you, because you play blue white control and you, you top four to PPTQ uh, a week ago. Is that true? This is uh no, I, I won one a week ago. Yeah, I decided to go to Montreal on a whim. My friend, uh, my friend Matt was just like, "Hey, there's a you know PPTQ in Montreal. You want to come?" I was like, yeah, "Sure, <laughs> sure." And, you know, I went along and and, and won that. Um, was I mean, that the same format? Was that modern? Yeah, it was modern. Uh, played blue white, just the same. You know, basically the same list. I think I changed one card. Um, I don't know, it was a small event. It was it was fun, but it was like it was good. That was like. It was essentially one of my first tournaments in like a year, uh, with the exception of like a team tournament in Toronto where I teamed with Fournier and Tyler Nightingale. Um, that was basically the second or third time I'd played in like a calendar year, you know? Um, the weirdest team of all time. It was not normal, no. <laughs> Initially, I had, I had just sort of like a brainchild that I wanted to have, you know, Phil Sams and Fournier on my team just on a whim. I thought it'd be fun. And Fournier told me, you know, he'd already committed to Tyler. So I was like, okay, let's do that. <laughs> you know? So played, played on that team. But yeah, no, I, like I was in Montreal the weekend before to just play a tournament on a whim. Uh, you know, had, had a lot of fun with it. Uh, obviously did well. And just ran it back the very next weekend in Detroit. And obviously, uh, you know, the fruits of my labor, whether, it, you know, you can call it that or not, paid off. Because uh, I was definitely more familiar with the deck than I would have been otherwise. Way to go from uh, old man who is sick and tired of, of things to you know the most hyper 
player that, that I can think of in terms of energy level. Um, I'm going I'm to let Edgar ask, ask questions about, about your specific list, and, and that's what like the fans of the show wanted, is to pick your brain on Blue White. Sure. Yeah, so I'm just taking a look at your list, and uh, it looks pretty normal for the most part, but you made some some interesting decisions, I think, that most people don't do. Uh, specifically with your Jace to Fairy split numbers, I think is a bit abnormal, and your uh, your counterspell suite. Do you want to touch on that? Yeah, I mean, I think the Planeswalkers are pretty normal. Uh, there's some, like, interchange with the numbers. I see some people playing, you know, one to Fairy. Uh, sometimes they drop down. Some people drop down on Jace. Uh, the Planeswalkers are basically just how you take over any matches, uh, and they're the best cards in the deck. And there's very few matches where you don't just want to like slam those as early as possible, whether that's turn six, turn seven, turn four, turn five, if you hit a terminus early or what have you. Um, there's just no better way to take over the games. Uh, the counter spell split, I think, was actually, you know, that's, that's where like some actual thought went into the numbers. Um, there's a lot of deck lists out there playing multiple copies of Logic Knot, some copies of Reman, Spell Snare, what have you. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of. You know, I, I don't want to say intelligent decisions, but like it just seems to be people playing cards on a whim. Um, I actually put some thought into it. Uh, the deck is loaded with creature removal, creature kill, ways to manage different creatures in the format. But there's not a whole lot of thought that are put towards, you know, the control matchups or the Tron matchups or, or matchups that, you know, you actually will need to fight, you know, without Path to Exiles, without Terminus. Uh, negates your best counterspell for that. And dropping, you know, a card like Remand or a card like Spellsnare was like a non-issue for me on that regard. Uh, I figured you could deal with a lot of the creatures that Humans is presenting. Uh, with with all your creature removal, you don't need to focus any any any, any card slots to mana leaks or, or logic knots or what have you. And, and besides, half the creatures are uncountable in the format anyways. Um, so it's not like those cards are going to be play, paying any dividends at all. And they, they usually get boarded out too. And then the split between Logic Knot and Mana Leak, it, I mean, the deck doesn't have a whole lot of velocity, so Logic Knot is largely irrelevant in the early game um, for the most part. But uh, I'm not so comfortable with the deck to want multiple copies of Mana Leak just because the games do go long. That card does lose a lot of value. So, so the split there was largely because, I mean, the, the cards are very, very similar in their effect, but, you know, one is better for early, one is better for late. And... Uh, I mean, it's just, you know, it, it's, 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 a, it's a logical split uh, to, to me to, to sort of, you know, balance the, the late game, early game uh, balance. Um, I see a lot of this playing like Wrath of Gods and, and, and Supreme Verdict's main deck too. Um, I'm not really a fan of, of either of those two just for the fact that there's so many recursive creatures like Bloodgast and Flamewake Phoenix and, and you know, even the, the, the corner case of, you know, creatures from the Boggles deck that are just uh, very... Uh, you know, impervious to to destroy effects, and I wanted my wrath to essentially guarantee a board clear for any creatures that are trying to kill me. Um, so playing Settle the Wreckage in addition to the four terminus guaranteed that whenever I was casting a board clear, it was actually having an effect. Uh, when I was able to relegate, you know, the other destroy effects to the sideboard where I could actually pick and choose the matchups where I'd want them. Is there anything you would uh, change about the list going forward? That just impressed me a lot. And uh, I do think that having, having probably one more copy of a creature kill that that's, you know, has an effect before turn four um, for a matchup like Humans or for a matchup like Hollow One is super important. 
Um, I'm kind of torn as to what I would cut for that, but I do think I, I really want a second copy of Oust um, for those matchups, like I said. So I, I was thinking about maybe cutting a Search for Kanta. I was thinking about maybe cutting a Snapcaster Major or Teferi. Um, I haven't yet really sat down to play out those numbers and see how that, uh, how that works out, but um, having something else, because I did struggle with the humans matchup a little bit, uh, fighting through meddling mages and fighting through um, the, the freebooters uh, can be a little difficult, um, and it's really easy to get locked out post-board when they're boarding out, or boarding in, you know, cards like Cambal and, and Gattic and what have you, so... Um, it's good overall, though. I, I was I was really really impressed with the deck. It fared very well. Um, I felt I'm not going to say unbeatable because I certainly lost uh, a couple of matchups, but uh, I, 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 there was not a matchup that I didn't feel absolutely comfortable just just taking and tackling. So it's good. It's a good deck. Um, so would you say you you wouldn't? Recommend it to someone if they expected a lot of humans in in their local meta. Um, if you expected a ton of humans in your local meta, I think it's probably better to play Jeskai, but I do think Jeskai is worse across the board. It has worse matchups, um, over, over, you know, over, over, over an evenly spread format. I think, um, having cards like Terminus, having cards like, uh, the Stony Silence and Rest in Peace in the Graveyard. Uh, are just or on the graveyard, but in the sideboard are 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 huge matchup swingers, um, and uh, and really like crutches that this deck relies on to to just have such an evenly spread matchup percentage against basically everything that you can face. Um, so I, I, I'd say Jeskai. Uh, I, I do think that the control decks are very good and don't get enough talk um, for the modern format right now. Uh, I think they're really well positioned for the time being, and uh, and I do strongly recommend them. Um, if I do end up going to the SCG for, for this weekend, uh, for what it's worth, like I, I will be playing white blue, blue control. Like there's no, there's no question in my mind. Um, so who, who did the best during your team? Did everyone feel really good about their deck choice afterwards or was it just you and John or everyone? I mean, everyone, on the, everyone on the team loved their decks. Uh, <laughs> except, except for me, I, I really hate Felix's deck. <laughs> I, I really hate Red Green Valakut. I think it's... I, I hope there's no one out there that loves the deck, because I just think it's trash. Um, <laughs> and I'll, I'll, tell, I'll, I'll tell Felix, too. Um, I'm, not, I'm not afraid to <laughs> you know, burn any bridges there. I, that deck is no good, but uh, uh, it was a pretty, pretty evenly spread win percentage across the team. I think Felix and John each won nine matches or eight matches or something like that. Um, I lost twice. I think I lost yeah twice to humans, and that's that's it. Um, I think those matchups could have went either way though. One of them went to game three, and he he, he peeled a, a, reflect, a reflector mage to, to take out my bane slayer on a very crucial turn. And uh, the other matchup, uh, I was against Tiago Saparito, and I'm, I think I miracled Terminus three times in the match, and each time I got sniped out of my hand with a free booter in response <laughs> to the, the miracle trigger. So, <laughs> wow! <laughs> it, it, he was he was sharp shooting. He was sharp. Shooting. <laughs> I mean, oh. if you discount those, I mean, surely I won a couple of matches because I was lucky. So, like, 
you know, there, there's, there's very clearly some parallels that, you know, it could have went either way, but you know, I was, I was so close to having the perfect tournament. Like I just felt unbeatable. Uh, were there any other stories besides that one that, that you want to bring up on the show through the stories? Um, no, I, nothing that really comes to mind. Um, I want to say it was a really uneventful tournament, but I mean, clearly that's not the case. I mean, I started my tournament playing against like a mono blue prison deck, something I'd never seen before. And I must have spent, honestly, the first half an hour of the, of the match just playing a completely hopeless game one before realizing, like, what the hell am I doing? Like, I'm just going to go to time and this is not going to work. But uh, I literally won game three within four to five minutes. Um, it was it was pretty crazy. I was must have been playing at light speed. That was probably the most interesting thing that happened in the tournament. My uh, the, the the unfortunate thing about team tournaments is that um, you'd think that there'd be much more to talk about because it's three teammates, three different matches going on at the same time. But uh, you know, my focal point was really just my matches, and most of them went pretty long. And so most of my tournament was just me dialed into, you know, my games. I didn't really get a chance to see much of what was going on in Felix's matches or much of what was going on in John's. So, um, yeah. Uh, so what does this result give you? Gives me a PT invite. So, I mean, just as soon as I fell off, I'm back on. Um, seems that that year hiatus, you know, didn't really... Uh, <laughs> I didn't uh, didn't didn't uh, stun me for very long, um, and I guess you know a quick infusion of cash. But uh, more than anything, I think it gives me some confidence that, like, you know, I I don't need to invest as much time as I was before. You know, when I was playing uh, as regularly as I was three years ago, when I won you know the two Grand Prix in that same year, I was playing three four times a week. You know, now I'm playing like three, four times a year. Um, <laughs> granted, like I'm not going to ever repeat, you know, this sort of success by playing that regularly. But it proves to me that like, if I want to continue playing this as a hobby, playing this, you know, you, you know, even remotely competitively, like I can do it without investing all of my free time into the game. I, I love the contrast. Just because, like, Edgar has been crushing it consistently. He's, he's been coming on the show over and over again because of his results. And, uh, Dan, if you just win the PT, I just want you to answer Marshall, whoever, that, that you play three or four times a year. <laughs> I mean, playing super regularly, playing as much as – and, Edgar, honestly, like, I see your name in the headlines, like, all the time these days. Like, it, you know, it, it pays off. It, has, it pays dividends, you know? And, and when you have the time, when you have the motivation, when you have the drive to dedicate to it, like, why not? It's a hobby. It's a game. It's fun. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe I'm just, <laughs> maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just old. <laughs> and, I can't, I can't dedicate all that time anymore to the game. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it, it helps my confidence that, like, I can still do it. You know, there, there was that voice in, my, in the back of my head saying like, why, why would you even try going to these? Why would you spend hundreds of dollars to go to these events? Because like, you're not going to replicate the same results as before. Well, I mean, a software is pretty good, you know, and, and it shows that like, I can, it can be done. You know, clearly, clearly there's something that I'm doing right. And I can repeat it. I agree with that. Um, we'll go back to 
We'll come back to you and all of us on uh, different questions, but let's go straight to Edgar, who was on our show and when Jerry was on and talked about how he needed certain points to clinch gold. Uh, what was your situation before the tournament, Edgar? Uh, my situation was that I was one point off of gold, but I was capped in terms of TP slots, so I needed a two-point finish, which was a, a 10 3 one record for, for a team Grand Prix, and we we got ten we went ten two and two as a team so I I just barely got in there and and got the last point I needed for gold which was a good feeling when it happened. So you ran back a similar team that that you've run back and trusted, but this time was Unify Modern. So so how were their skill sets for for this type of tournament? Uh, yeah, we we can't have Dilks just uh winning winning every legacy match, which is unfortunate. But uh, it's 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 not that much different. We we played uh. We're just still good friends, and we we test a lot together, no matter what the format is. So we we had a pretty decent idea uh, ahead of time what we wanted to do. Uh, Tarek had been playing a lot of KCI and uh, really developing that deck to a, a spot that he he likes, and he, he's kind of deviated from the norm, but he's been having a lot of success with the deck. So uh, similar to what Dan was doing, where we had this like one anchor deck, we kind of uh, picked our two other decks centered around that one to. Uh, to best complement its its uh, weaknesses and, and strengths to try to tackle the metagame of what we expected. And it worked out for the most part. We uh, we got a little unfortunate in some spots, and I think we made some mistakes, but we, we got just just enough wins to, to get me to gold, which was, which was the goal for the weekend, I guess, if, if nothing else. Uh, say, say the whole deck configuration again. So it's uh, Tarek was on KCI. Yeah, Tarek was on KCI, Dilks ended up playing Humans, and I played a Blue-Red Gift Storm. Um, Dilks playing Humans was something we decided on early. Uh, it was a, it's a powerful, linear, sorry, a powerful linear strategy that uh, Dilks could learn quickly, and, uh, or whoever played it could learn quickly, because none of us had experience with the deck, but it felt like such a strong pillar of the format, and we felt like we wanted to kind of just uh, pick three decks to like, just maximize raw win percentage because the unified aspect of modern didn't really have that much restriction in terms of deck selection. Uh, so we, we thought it would be, especially with all the success that Humans has been having recently in the hands of other Toronto players and just in general, we thought it would be a mistake not to have that deck. And for the third deck, uh, it basically came down to what we could play knowing that KCI and Humans were going to be our two decks. And I had tested a lot of control. I had tested some uh, red, black, hollow one, and I tested some storm. And I just eventually ended up settling on storm because we expected a lot of the, a lot of teams to have the blue white control deck and some sort of ancient stirrings deck. And we thought that the storm deck could prey on both of those strategies while being pretty even with the humans deck. Uh, surprisingly, uh, we figured out through testing. So. Well, is this is this deck played much? This blue red gift storm. Uh, it's not played as much recently, but it's started to pick up steam again. It was a big player a, a little while ago, but modern's been so cyclical recently. And I think the consensus was that humans beat storm pretty handily, and it definitely did with the old iterations of storm. Uh, like a game one meddling mage on Grapeshot would be lights out for some lists. But the the PGO and and Finkel and and them ended up playing Storm at the Pro Tour 25, and they wrote in their tournament reports that they actually felt ahead against the humans matchup with the changes they made to the deck, 
And when I tested the deck myself, I found I was achieving pretty similar results too. So I think the some of the changes they made to the deck were were good for for that matchup and maybe makes the deck a player again in the format. Another another thing for the deck that uh, this was actually the biggest part of the unified thing that we considered was the fact that uh, if you look at the way you have to choose decks for the unified format, it's very difficult to have a deck in your three deck configuration that has Thoughtseize in it, like a Grixis Shadow or a Jund, uh, just because it uses so many cards in the card pool. And uh, so using that information, and those are those decks are generally bad matchups for Storm. Uh, it, it felt like the Storm deck was even better positioned in the unified format than in general. Dan, did you want to jump in there? I'm curious to hear more about how... Uh, well, about that Thoughtseize comment, basically. Um, do, you, do you feel like Storm decks really struggle against Thoughtseize lists, or Th- Thoughtseize decks? I, I, I've sort of found that you know, their main struggle... Well, I mean, is is the humans deck decks that can you know throw out multiple disruptive pieces that make it harder for you to actually perform whatever you're doing? To me, there's just so many redundant spells in Storm, so many cards that have the same effect as everything else. That you know, being disrupted by Thoughtseize is uh, you know, while not trivial, it's you know, it's yeah, um, it's definitely not the hardest thing in the world to beat, but. I think the fact that uh, most of the Thoughtseize decks are pretty flush with Graveyard Hate uh, recently, either it being Late on in the Void or Neo Spellbomb or Surgical Extraction, that their uh, like early hand disruption in combination with pressure from like a Goyf or pseudo-pressure from a Dark Confidant putting a clock on you, uh, in combination with the Graveyard Hate that they incidentally have for the other Graveyard decks in the format, like KCI and Hollow One, is just a little bit too much for the Storm deck to handle. And uh, I think that you can, you do have the tools in the deck to beat it if you want to. Like you can play a lot of pieces of the puzzle or a lot of copies of MP of the Warrens, yeah. and and try to beat it that way. Uh, but I decided that uh, I was going to cut back on those things because I didn't expect a lot of the thoughts use matchups. So I ended up playing no pieces of the puzzle, which made the matchup worse. Oh man. it's a it's a little bit of a give and take. Um, I still ended up playing MP of the Warrens because. I felt that card was important for the blue-white matchups, but uh, I wanted to shore up the humans matchup a little bit more, so I ended up playing a few more cards for that and less for the Thoughtseize decks. That's fair. I think that's really smart. I actually wouldn't have considered cutting you know, any quantity of pieces of the puzzle. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess when I think Thoughtseize decks, my mind instantly goes to, like, Mardu Pyromancer, and I, I think, I have to assume that that's got to be, like... Yeah, Mardu Pyromancer is a little bit better than, like, Jund Absans or, or Grixis yeah. Shadows because yeah. they have so much less of a clock. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I mean, like that 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 fits. Um, yeah, I mean, S- Storm is something that I was definitely concerned about. I think that Storm has a very good control matchup. Yeah. Um, I don't know that for a fact. I just assume based on how my my spell slots line up that it's uh, that's probably not in my favor. But uh, even even saying that, like even Storm itself was difficult to fit into the team uh, format because it borrows from Serum Visions and Ops and also Lightning Bolts. So it pulls from like two different do two different positions, two different archetypes uh, just to have itself. So um, it can fit because you can have, you know, humans alongside it in Tron or what have you, or I mean, in your case, you guys had KCI. Um, 
and those were the lineups that I think I most feared and, and I wanted to dodge, you know, Right. Um, and, and, I didn't have to face Storm. It was all in the A seat, so my humans player got it. So. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit of seed metagaming going on. <laughs> yeah, there was a little bit of thought that got put to that, but uh, I think largely it was just random. Oh yeah, it, it is pretty random. The, the only conclusion that we made, or or the only conclusion we decided to act on, is that we thought that the control deck was least likely to be in the middle. So we, we put the deck that we thought was worse against the control deck in the middle and the other decks on either side, basically at random. Yeah, see, I think, I mean, I think that just proves that it's entirely random because to me, I thought the most likely to be in the middle would be usually the strongest player for each team. Right. And it would probably be the control deck or, you know, you know other, other case scenarios like the humans player. Um, just so they can finish their matches early and you know help their teammates or what have you. Right. Yeah. And and you kind of said something earlier where you were like so zeroed in on your matches that uh, you kind of like didn't really know what was going on with your teammates for for the majority of the tournament. Yeah. And we we thought that that would end up being the case more often than like the good player wanting to play the the control deck. That we we thought that the the middle deck was more likely to be a, a linear deck and. F- I don't know if it was actually true because we don't have any of the data, but I know personally in our tournament experience, it ended up being true. Like I played against control like six times. I think Tarek played against it four times and our middle seed only played against it like once or twice. So crazy. It's, it's a, it could be a coincidence, but it ended up working out for us for sure. Yeah. I think it was more evenly split for my team. I know John played against it like three or four times. I think Felix played it twice and I played it twice so it was more or less uh, you know anyway i guess that i guess i guess that in and of itself means that you know uh, it, it was more on the, on the periphery on like a and c seats but you know right like you said that's probably just random <laughs> you're all saying is just random but um dan i'll go to you then do, do you think this is a, a good format do you, did you enjoy it? do you think would you do it again and do you think they should do it again more often i'm insanely biased i uh, i not only did a lot of winning this weekend but i also love modern and uh yeah so i mean like if you're asking if you're if you're truly asking me and you're, and you're asking me to be unbiased or, or or what have you yeah i would love to see this again i would love to do it again i would i would continue to play but like i love modern team events are fun and uh, and this was a fun exercise, and I won a lot. So, <laughs> but do you do you wish that there were carpool restriction decisions to be made? Like, does it? It's really. It makes things uh, like if it was super regular. If it happened very regularly, I think we'd be seeing flawed decisions being made because of the deck building restrictions that are forced on you. However, when you're able to borrow from a very defined format where people are playing it very regularly, week in, week, in, week out, um, I think the decks are very refined. Uh, their, their card decisions are very well thought out. And, and having this, this periodic, unified restriction placed on the format makes deck building decisions and, and team roster configurations really interesting. And that was really fun. You know, despite the stress and anxiety it caused, it was also very fun. So, Edgar, are, are you planning to head down to the same SCG? 
Yeah, I'm going down to Syracuse this weekend. Uh, not sure if I'm going to be running back Storm or, or doing something else, but I'll, I'll be playing Modern. If I tell you what I'm playing, would that change your deck decision? <laughs> it might. It might. You might be able to convince me. <laughs> I think there's like a 50-50 chance. Maybe, maybe, maybe like 60-40 that I, that I end up going there. Um, we'll see. Um, but I will be playing blue-white. There's, there's, there's no way I don't. Um, I'll probably change like one or two cards at most. Um, and hopefully win. Is there, is there anyone in Ottawa that, that wants to go? Yeah, yeah. My friend Matt reached out to me basically just as soon as he found out I was in the top four. He's like, hey, you know, uh, I know you have a match to focus on, but there's an SCP next weekend, and, you know, I've got the bug. So it's <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, Matt, well, we'll see. Um, I got to go now because I'm in the top four of a GP. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Derek, have you been playing modern uh, these past couple of weeks? Not really, no. I uh, looked at a couple lists when I was thinking about going to Detroit, but ended up not going. I haven't really played any of the the pre-TQs uh, just because I've been busy with other things, and I'm really over the pre-TQ system, so I've been like not really uh, putting time and effort into doing that. Um, for the most part, I've just been playing standard and a little bit of limited. Modern's like not my favorite format. I think I've paid more attention to Legacy than I have Modern. And I'm probably never going to play Legacy in paper. So that's how I feel about Modern. <laughs> All right. So anyone who wants Derek out of this hangout. Um... <laughs> Listen, like we, we can agree that Jace is busted, but I don't know if we can agree that the format's good or healthy. But this is ridiculous. Maybe, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll stick to standard. It's fine. Don't worry. Yeah, we, Modern's healthy because they don't have to die to Splinter Twin on turn four, and they don't have to, you know, suffer through Gataxian probes anymore and, you know, birthing pods and all that. I, people don't realize how good Jace is, or they don't remember how good Jace is, I think. And that point, that, that, that point is soon coming, I think. If we uh, if we had twin or we had pod and modern, modern would be my favorite format, not close. But right now, it's just like uh, this format's kind of bad. Humans is okay. I don't really feel like playing this. Oh, play the new the new uh, destroy any permanent. Uh, get a land card. That card's sweet. Speaking of modern cards, that card is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> We'll get we'll wrap the show with, with new cards, but before that, uh, Derek, I know it doesn't affect either of us at the moment, but uh, last week, Watsi announced some some major changes. Uh, there's going to be six PTs next year, and uh, a bunch of other changes were su- and they're going to shrink. They're going to somehow shrink the, the amount of participants at these uh, PTs from, I think I read from 400 to about 300. More details later on, on how they're going to go about doing that, but they did mention that they're sticking with the whole PPTQ to RPTQ system. Um, for you, Derek, was there anything that you either got excited about or, or got let down by from, from the announcements? Uh, one thing I guess maybe is kind of weird to be excited by, but um... They're, they're putting another PT, or the first PT in Brisbane, Australia. Uh, as a person who, like, my only two PTs have been in uh, United States, it's, it's really nice to see 
PTs in Barcelona, London, and Brisbane. Um, I also like that there's six PTs. Uh, I was reading some people said it would be harder to qualify, but honestly, it just means there will be more qualification event. Uh, yeah, qualification events, and the whole fact that they have the pro player consultants uh, working towards fixing any issues about this entire thing makes me really hopeful for uh, a progressive professional magic in the future. Um, and I think having more pro tours in general is just a good idea. Uh, I personally don't watch a lot of Grand Prix coverage because I find up until the actual top eight, um, there's not a lot of coverage that I'm interested in as a competitive player. Uh, sometimes there's mistakes. Sometimes there's decks I don't want to see, or sometimes they're not following players. Uh, I find when they did the redupe thing, it was really riveting and interesting. And I wanted to watch all of it because I was following a player the entire time at pro tours. I feel they do that very, very well. And I think if we just have more events like that, um, maybe we could see magic eventually become an e-sport. Although I don't know if that's actually something that can happen. But it just makes me very, very hopeful for competitive magic for the future in general. Yeah, I think that Reed Duke thing was was really cool. I uh, yeah, it was really well done. I hope to bring it back. Yeah, I really liked it too. It was uh, I was very, very doubtful about how good it was going to work or how well it was going to work um, when they announced that he would be doing coverage and playing in the event, and then they had like a local mic just for him. And then they like talked through all his plays and had him go over these specific weird lines. And it was like super interesting, especially for a format like Legacy. I really wish they would do that more often and maybe even at the pro tours, although it might be too personal because there's a lot more pinned information, but it was, uh, it was really sweet. I think we'll see it again, but I, I find it hard to believe it'll be on a pro tour just, just for sake of controlling the information that's out there. Um, but we'll see. Edgar, as someone who clinched gold, what what do these announcements mean to you? Uh, it's tough to know without knowing all the details, but I, I guess I would say I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, there's there's a lot of good they can do with this announcement, and uh, I'm I'm hopeful that it'll, that it will lead to good things, lead, lead to uh, better coverage and and more prizes for the for the pro players and. But we just gotta wait and see. There's gonna be an announcement coming up, and and I'm hoping that it's gonna be uh, good for the players. So I, I don't. I was able to just pick Jerry's brain a little. I think some people on Twitter, the Twitter storm was like, "Well, you know, stop complaining. Watsy's putting more money in because there's more PTs." But the since they're the same amount of flights, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, Edgar. And then so. For some of these extra PTs that you have to still put a lot of effort and probably spend a lot of money on, I think it's hard to tell whether it's more EV for you or not. Yeah, it's hard to say. So there's two things that we have to consider here. Uh, The first thing is there's a lot of people saying that they're dumping $500,000 into the the prize payout for the year, but we don't actually know that for sure because we don't know if that money is going to be coming from fewer grand prix or something like that and it's actually only technically one more pro tour in in the not in the calendar year but in the season year so it, it's only it would be plus two hundred and fifty thousand, even if they didn't change anything uh but besides that uh it, it just really depends on 
how the qualifications for, for these pro tours work. If it's similar to what it was before, then yeah, I think it's going to be a higher EV for a player like myself, uh, who's not like one of the elites. Uh, but if it's just going to be a higher density of the top echelon of players, then it might end up being uh, more difficult and, and better for the, for like the top 50 or whatever in the world. So it's it's really hard to say. Uh, it's really going to depend on how they allocate all the funds and how the qualifications work. We we don't even know if if like the, all the gold pros are going to be qualified for all six pro tours. So uh, I'm I'm hoping that that I will be and and that the rest of the golds will be. But uh, we're we're gonna have to see uh, how, how it's going to work out. So yeah, I think I think that's a good approach to take to be cautious because. Uh... There's some really early reactions. Uh, Dan, I don't know if you've been keeping up with these announcements. Yeah, I saw your pseudo retirement. <laughs> no, I I saw them. I mean, like I've been yeah, I've been keeping my eyes like to a lot of the news the last couple of months. But even though I haven't been playing so much, but yeah, no, the, they they look good. Um, there's a lot of information out there that's still unknown. Um, much too much for us to really draw any conclusions as to whether or not this is super positive or you know mildly negative um but yeah no it looks awesome i wish i wish i was still gold because <laughs> it sounds like there's going to be some extra flights going around um albeit you know there's some less exciting travel locations uh at least in in, in comparison to other more exotic places but uh, uh you know good news all around so far as i'm concerned thus far we'll see how the qualifications work i know you mentioned that they were sticking with the pptq system i had read differently i thought i think that they said that changes were coming but for now they're sticking with the way it currently is so i think that to, that to me speaks that you know for the next two or three it'll probably keep the same model but as the as the year continues to churn you know we'll see more changes i imagine since they're keeping the attendance low but keeping the same amount of invites that that means that we're going to see at least at least in, in, in some quantity, a return of normal PTQs, as you would expect from like years past or the ones that they have on Sundays at Grand Prix. Um, but time will tell. And I think that now that they have the, the, commi the committee of, of pros that are, you know, helping Wizards with some of these decisions, helping, you know, the pro community facilitate information back and forth, that it will, uh, it'll lead to positive changes all around. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'd have to go back and read it, but I w wouldn't be surprised if they change. I, I do remember they also wrote about how like they're they're not sure they have to announce like how GPs and, and stuff are going to work. So again, with yeah. with Edgar cautiously optimistic. Yeah, yeah there's uh, there's a lot of unknowns still out there, and you know, 2019 is fast approaching, and we still don't even know the GP schedule, which is a far cry from years past. So it tells me that there's a lot of big changes coming, and it's just a matter of you know. Uh, locking down those details. So I'm looking forward to, I think they announced, you know, come the end of the month that we'd have all the details. So hopefully, uh, you know, as, as Ravnica approaches, so do those, uh, those announcements. Is that the perfect way or what? Yeah. <laughs> We're going to wrap up the show with some guilds of Ravnica cards. Of course, got to talk about um, Assassin's Trophy. 
The instant black green destroys target permanent and opponent controls. Its controller may search the library for a basic land card, put it into the battlefield, then shuffle their library. What do you think about this card, uh, Derek? Uh, I think this card will not see, will not be groundbreaking in standard, but will be very good in other long-term constructed formats. Um, obviously. A lot of people are speculating that it will be the downfall of certain uh, land decks in modern, but I don't know if that's entirely true. It's probably just like another kind of Fulminator Mage or another kind of uh, like Stone Rain effect or something. It's not really that backbreaking, I don't think. Um, as for standard, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's better than Brass's Contempt. Um, if anything, it makes uh, they're for Rune to be like a green-black aggro deck because they are the ones that benefit the most from destroying uh, a problematic threat like Teferi and having a mana advantage in not being able, not having to play Brass's Contempt. So uh, one of the biggest issues I know with with the blue-white control deck right now is that they one-for-one one with you and then they play Teferi. If you're not playing cards like Never Return or Vrasus Contempt, it's very hard to deal with a problematic Planeswalker or like an enchantment or something like that. With this card, you can sort of break tempo. Um, they get a land, which is usually irrelevant, and then you can like use your mana efficiently. Instead of having to spend four mana, you can play two two-mana spells instead. Um, for me, that's the biggest impact for standard that I see. Um, but I think it's much better for modern, personally. What about you, Dan? Does this get you excited? Uh, yes. Um, I, I think this card is at least slightly overhyped. Um, I don't see this as being, you know, like format changing, or I don't, I don't see this eliminating some strategies from the format. Um, I have seen a little bit of chatter about how this is, you know, uh, an excellent, excellent answer to Tron, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yes, it is. Uh, it, it keeps decks like Jund and Abzan and, and, and Sultai, what have you, any, any decks that, you know, can play green and black mana. Keeps them competitive against decks that they would otherwise have been dogs to or, or down against. Um, but giving them a land is, is a real thing, you know? Uh, a lot of these black-green decks work on resource denial and being able to sort of choke their opponents out from being able to do things. You know, see Liliana, see Thoughtseize, see Fulminator Mage, see all those cards that tend to try to take your opponent's resources away. This... Uh, I mean, this this very clearly kills problematic permanents like Jace, like Karn, like Ursa's Tower, um, things that Jund would otherwise have struggled against before. Um, but it gives them something, you know, albeit small, in, in return. Um, it's going to be a very good card. It's, it's going to see a lot of play. Um, it's going to make decks like Jund a little bit better, probably keep them competitive, but it's not going to put them over the top or anything. So it's definitely something to be excited about. Um, to me, honestly, I, I think this card has more of like a broader appeal in a deck like Dredge, 
or something, you know, in a dredge sideboard, being able to deal with something like Leyline of the Void after board or, you know, Rest in Peace or Relic of Progenitors, just, you know, some, something that it otherwise would have really struggled to deal with with any one hay card. Um, I see this having broader applications in a deck like that where it doesn't really care that it gave its opponent a, a basic land because it's just going to overwhelm them with card advantage from the graveyard. Um, that, that's where my head's at. I think, I think you're going to see it in, in non-intuitive strategies like that. Um, and it's going to be good, but uh, perhaps a little over it. Um, Edgar, do you, do you agree with Derek's assessment that it might not be that hot in, in standard? Uh, yeah, for the, for the most part. Uh, I think in standard, uh, unlike the other formats, giving them a land is going to be less trivial of a cost, uh, especially if you're playing some sort of black green mid-range control deck, just ramping them into a position where they can play a throw with a counter backup or a duress backup is going to be uh, pretty relevant. Um, if you want to talk about Legacy, actually, is something I'm really excited about for this card, though. Uh, as someone who's played a lot of Baleful Strix control decks in Legacy, I think that uh, this deck is going to give, or this card is going to give the Saltide decks on Legacy a, a tool that it must, it, it much needed in the format uh, to make it competitive. Yeah. Before, there wasn't much of a reason to play Saltide in Legacy over uh, Grixis, mostly because the Saltide deck struggled to deal with. Uh, the card Jason Mind Sculptor and the card Dark Depths. Um, and this is a card that lets you answer both of those things and it gives you a reason to play Saltai over Grixis and Legacy and is something that I'm very excited to explore once it comes out. Yep. Hmm, yeah, I, I didn't think about that at all. Um, but Derek, what was the card you mentioned uh, in the middle of the show? It was uh, that card. We did, what was it called? Assassins. Okay. Was there another one that you wanted so. to talk about? Uh, I was just on Reddit, and I think uh, Disdainful Stroke just got printed or reprinted or announced. Oh, yes. So that's like that's pretty big for standard. Um, I think it's. I think it was a Jap- Japanese website. Uh, it's roughly translated. It's a two minute instant, so it's Disdainful Stroke or Remand. Yeah, no, it's Disdainful Stroke. I just looked it up as well. Yeah, so that's that's really exciting. Um, I think that uh, the new is it mechanic looks really powerful for limited. I was thinking about that today. Um, considering GP Montreal is limited, uh, I'm probably going to be playing a little bit more limited. And I think that blue as a as a limited color is going to be one of the more powerful colors in the set uh, with the ability to flashback a card by like discarding a land or whatever. Um, and other than that, like to me the the set looks pretty pushed in power level. There's that 6-6 six, six for 4 green hexproof creature that isn't legendary for some reason. Uh, that seems kind of broken. Uh, they, like, gave it pseudo doesn't have hexproof, but, like, who cares, right? Um, yeah, it's still 6-6. Six, six. <laughs> yeah, it, it's double green. It's not even two colors. They're just like, yeah, okay, we'll just print this giant green monster. Um, I don't know the format. It looks like a lot of fun. Like I, I love Ravnica. Ravnica is one of my favorite sets. The past two Ravnicas we've been to. This is going to be super exciting. Um, yeah, super excited. The like the drop. So it's null, null hide, uh, Ferox. 
Yeah. Next week, you can't cast non-creature spells. That's that's its uh, downside. But and, and any opponent can pay two to make it lose all its abilities. But I, for six six for four, I mean, who cares? Yeah, yeah. Like pay pay whatever. Pay six mana to Raska's. You know, what, something. you know what deck doesn't play non-creature spells? <laughs> Green Black Stompy. It just plays Galtas and like a couple of vehicles and all the vehicles are rotating and so is Blossoming Defense. So you can just play this mono green beatdown deck with Steel Leaf and Llanowar Elf and just look at your opponent in the eyes as you beat them up and they're going to be like... I have this black green removal spell now, and you're like, I don't, I don't care. I'm just going to play another one. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, you, you mentioned loving the mechanic. So, so it's jumpstart, right? You may cast this card from your graveyard by discarding a card in addition to paying its other cost and exile this card. So, yeah, like you said, flashback, but but being, you have to discard a card called jumpstart. Yeah, I think I think that mechanic's super sweet. I think uh, Wizards did really good, really well with that one. Um, it's going to be like a, a pretty deep mechanic that not everybody will be able to pick up on right away. And it's it's not weird like um, what's that one where you, it like exiles itself and you cast it on your upkeep. I hated that one. It was really annoying. Uh, rebound? Rebound, yeah. It's not rebound. I hated rebound. I thought it was stupid. <laughs> Isn't that true? Is it Eldrazi? What's that? What's that? Is it? Uh, it was a blue mechanic. I don't know if it was. Is it? Yeah, I just remember Distortion Strike as yeah. one of the only playable ones. Yeah, like and and the the Stagger Shock. Yeah, Stagger Shock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was Rise of the Eldrazi. Yeah, but like it just always felt like an is it mechanic to me. That's fair. That's fair. It does. To be fair, it, it really does. Yeah, I just feel like this is a good blue-red mechanic. So, Some are speculating, like Kelly Ackerman on Facebook, that this might be the best-selling or most attended pre-release of all time. And it's interesting to bring things back where it's been a while where you got to select a specific clan, whether it's Boros, Demir, etc. Um, so I think that's really interesting. Um, and, and like Derek said, Ravnica, he loves Ravnica. I think a lot of people do. So we should see a lot of excitement at the pre-releases for this particular set. Um, and I think we're going to talk more about it, about the set and its different cards next week, where we'll actually be spoiling the card, revealing our spoiler. I don't know if I'm doing it on Twitter or live, because I think the day for me to reveal it will be on Monday. Uh, whatever, we'll figure that out. and. Yeah, that, that's for this show. Uh, if you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash first strike uh, or just give this video a thumbs up, give it a like, subscribe, leave a comment, do all that jazz, and, and that keeps us going. Dan, anything uh, you want to pl- need to plug before we let it go? No way, man. Got nothing. You got nothing. <laughs> but you can follow you on twitter.com slash. Uh, I have no idea. I'm at Dan Lanthier. <laughs> and who is your pick to win the Stanley Cup next season? Let's get it on air. I, I was almost the genius who, who nailed the Golden Knights, and with Patrietti, this might be their year. Yeah, I, the Golden Knights are they're, they're fucking awesome, man. Uh, it's I, I can't I can't bet against the Penguins. 
I can't. The Stanley Cup final has been in the second round the last three years. It's either the Caps or the Penguins. Okay. Are, are you going to rely on some, our favorite Twitter? Uh, is it Mika or Micah? Micah, yeah. Micah. Micah's never wrong. <laughs> he was uh, one of the few whose model strongly liked the Capitals, and he nailed it. Besides the SCG, what's up with you? Still, still the grind. Yeah, still grinding. Uh, I got the SCG, and then I got a a break weekend for the first time in in like seven weeks or something. And then I'll have a GP Montreal after that. So you'll still see me at tournaments, and hopefully I'll be back on soon. Alrighty, I think you will be. I think you will be. Like uh, one of us, Dan, you're coming down for GP Montreal. Yeah, I'm gonna play side events. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go pay a hundred dollars for another Grand Prix for, for a while. It's, uh, it's I, yeah, I, I actually don't blame you. I don't blame you at all. Grand Prix GPs are becoming very, uh, yeah, pretty yeah, bad. Yeah. Like on house money now, Dan. <laughs> uh, Sure. I mean, we can put it that way, but I, I don't know. I, that's that's definitely been at least part of the reason why I've taken a little bit of a step back is like just the overwhelming cost of the game these days. I mean, I could afford the game when I was a broke student, but now that I'm full time and making a good salary, it's it's way out of my budget. <laughs> um, but hopefully, we'll see a Felipe Samuel uh, show up. Oh, uh, Derek, what's up with you then? Nothing. Uh, just Montreal. Just trying to trying to get that trophy leader race back on Moto. You know what's up. Uh, yeah, I don't have a lot going on in Paper Magic. Uh, uh, how just, often are you? Uh, what's your stream link, and how often are you twitching these days? Uh, not, not a lot. Uh, I just moved into this place. Well, I guess it's been 10 days now, but it's like brand new. We've had a lot of like random issues that I have, I have to take care of. Uh, so I haven't been twitching that much. Um, but I'm at misplaced ginger. If anybody wants to hit me up on Twitch or Twitter. Um, and yeah, hopefully, hopefully I'll have some, some sweet decks out when Ravnica comes out. Because I need to win the first week PTQ on Moto because those are the softest. I feel like you've lined up your the back of the room the exact same way because I don't. To me, it looks like you've never moved. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I try. I try to make it. I mean, there's a giant wooden thing in the way right now, but the, the magic posters are always a nice touch. It really says, "I have no life." <laughs> <laughs> look, look, that has it down. Look at that. Look at that wall. Oh, yeah. You have like a nice fo- dark forest and giant blue. You even have like a sectional couch. I need to get me one of those. Sectional couch. Sectional couch. I'm actually moving out of this place in like two weeks. Oh. Oh, you're going to get rid of the blue wall. Uh, the new place has a nice blue wall. Okay, well, that's it's all good then. All yeah, good. yeah, yeah. It's a big step up. You should get a. You should get some words on the wall, like "live, love, magic" or something. That's my kitchen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no I'm down to, my kitchen right now. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you so much, Dan Edgar and Derek, and uh, we'll see you next time. 